Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. That's when he started calling me and texting me from different phone numbers, just threats. I'm going to, you know, crush your nose. I'm going to break your jaw and have to get it wired shut. I'm going to show up at your job and do all of these things. I'm Jamie Beebe. And I'm Jake Deptula. On today's episode of Strictly Stalking, we're chatting with Stephen, who was stalked for over 15 years by his older brother. Stephen grew up in a rough neighborhood where everyone was scared of his older brother. When Stephen was with his friends, his brother would find him and threaten him in public. Throughout his childhood, his brother bullied him, threatened him, and stole from him. Stephen thought this was normal sibling behavior until an intervention showed him it was actually stalking and abuse. When he left home, his brother threatened to show up at his job, beat him up, strip him naked in public, slice his face open, and crush his nose. Stephen, thank you for joining us today. I'm glad to be here. We're glad to have you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the neighborhood that you grew up in? Well, I grew up in a neighborhood called uh, Rexdale in Toronto, and uh, it's, at least back then, it was known for... uh, hosting very violent crime let's say uh it was pretty uh regular to just you know head out of your door and see you know swarms of police officers ambulance uh the aftermath of a crime scene things like that uh in that neighborhood your family immigrated correct yes um they are uh originally from jamaica both my parents they immigrated in the 80s to uh the toronto area and they were kind of just moving around the rexdale area until I was about 16, until we moved to the suburbs. What was the transition like for your family to come from Jamaica to Canada? Well, all four of my siblings were born in Canada. So my parents came over before we were all born. It's obviously different. I've never actually been to Jamaica, so I don't know how it is there. But one thing about my parents is that they never talked about how they grew up. And uh, I don't know my grandparents or their siblings or anything like that. So I actually don't know anything about my parents' uh, upbringing. How many brothers and sisters did you have and what was it like growing up? Well, I had uh, two older sisters and one older brother. My sister was born first. She's about 10 years older than me. My brother is about seven years older than me. And then my other sister is about four years older than me. Growing up in that family, uh, it was pretty rough. Uh, My dad didn't work for some reason. I didn't know why. So my mom worked several jobs to support us. My oldest sister, the one that's 10 years older than me, Again, this is pretty normal in the neighborhood I came from. She actually ended up having children when she was about 18. And she moved out when she was about 19 or 20. So I actually didn't really know her that much because obviously when she's 20, I'm like 9, 10 years old, right? So my mom wasn't home that much. She knew what the area was like and things like that. So she'll always try to, I guess, keep us inside, mostly me, because I was on the youngest or something. I don't know. But uh she was uh, pretty strict and pretty aggressive, like the, the neighborhood we grew up in. So we just grew up around aggression, basically. Was your dad home most of the time then with you? Um, he was there, but not there. So he was always like in his room or always in like the garage drinking or something like that. Like he was, he was there, but he wasn't there. And you said your mom worked a lot of jobs. Was she gone most of the time? Yes. Uh, I'd only see my mom maybe on Sunday. 
when uh, she wasn't, she was probably only working twice on Sunday instead of three times every other day. So she worked like a full time job and like two part time jobs. And uh, I probably only see her on Sunday. So it was mostly, I was mostly just home with my siblings. When did you start to realize your brother's stature in the neighborhood? Whenever I would go outside, people would just be telling me, hey, your, your brother's coming or your brother's there or there's your brother. Like you're always telling me like where he is and, and things like that. He was a pretty big guy. He has a giant pit bull with like thick bicycle chains on his neck and things like that, walking around the neighborhood and things like that. So everyone knew who he was and he wasn't afraid to, to be aggressive in public as well. So he was also known for that. What was your relationship like with him growing up initially? Initially, I thought it was pretty good. I, I actually kind of looked up to him because everybody, even though I didn't know that it was fear that everybody was respecting. It's just the fact that he was getting respected was what I noticed about him, that when he went outside, everybody was like running up to him. He got whatever he wanted. Nobody ever said no to him. So I, I looked up to that part of him. I wanted to be like, I thought that was cool. And I wanted to be cool like that too. Uh, he, he, you know, he was a drug dealer. He had a lot of money and I just wanted to have a lot of money as well. So I, I looked up to that aspect. I didn't really have uh the role models to to look up to other than people similar to him. You mentioned that your mom kind of kept you home more often. Did they raise your brother differently because he seems to have stepped out in a different way? Yes. So um, like I mentioned, my, my sister was uh, having kids at a young age and my brother was, you know, running around doing whatever he's doing, getting in trouble. And then uh, my other sister was also uh, dating a gang member was a rival of my brother's gang. So that's a whole other story. But um, I feel like with me, she was trying to stop me from going on that path. So basically what she did was try to just keep me in, basically, any way she could. What kind of methods did she use in order to try to keep you in? It's just like, you know, when you're a kid, you don't really go far past your house, right? So that wasn't really an issue. But as I started to get older and I, you know, I started to leave the neighborhood and things like that, she would just always be coming outside, telling me to come back in pretty much for no reason. It's the middle of the day, you know, a bunch of kids are outside, but out of the blue, I, I would just have to go inside. And uh, I never understood why. Why she would let all my other siblings like run around outside and things like that. It's just me that would, would have to go inside. And uh, I just grew up resenting that basically. And then somehow, as I started getting older and older, she wasn't really able to to discipline me anymore. So that's when it somehow transferred over to my brother and she began using him to kind of do her dirty work, I would say. Do you think that they were talking about it where she wanted to keep you in the house more and wanted to make sure that you were going a certain direction and it was all in good faith that she was asking your brother to help out? How did that transpire? What I think happened was she would kind of just ask him to like, you know, hey, go and get Steven, right? But he would go about it in his own aggressive way of accomplishing that task. And uh, my mom knew about his aggressive ways. She'd seen it. I told her and all those things. And I guess she was too scared to to say anything about it. So she would just let it happen type of thing. And how old was your brother at this point? He's been doing it f pretty much forever. But again, he, he was seven years older than me. So let's say if I was, you know, 10 years old, he would have been 17. What were some of the first incidents that you started to face with him outside the house? I usually just go to the park, like it's just large park near my house. So I just hang out there with my friends. And um, I recently got a cell phone around this time. So 
he would call me and I would say hello and he would uh, say, where are you? And I'll be like, I'm at the park. He would say, no, you're not. You're not at the park. I'm here right now and I don't see you. But I was in the park, just at a different part of the park that wasn't really visible. So I would come out and I'd be like, what do you mean? You're not here. And he'd be like, oh, okay, I, I see you now. And then I'll just look around and I'll see his car in the parking lot, you know, across the, the street there. So that was a, a regular occurrence. And I started realizing later, like, because again, people in the neighborhood know him. They know his car. They know everything about him, right? So people would tell me like, hey, your your brother's over there in the car or he's over here and he's watching over there. And it's like, it was, it was really weird behavior. Other times, if he were to call me and I wouldn't answer, he would just start leaving like violent voicemails and text messages and all of those things, anything to get me to respond. And obviously I, I'm a kid, right? So I'm scared. I'm like, and I know he would actually, you know, do these things because he, he's done them before. So I'm, I'm, I'm a kid. I'm scared. I would have called him back and like, Hey, like, what do you want? And then, you know, just listen to everything he has to say and then just walk myself home. Did you ever confront him about his actions? Yes. As I got older, more able to stand up for myself. I would confront him and be like, you know, why, why are you acting like this? And he would just say, because I can, or because I want to, or it would turn physical. Like it'll, it'll be right away a hundred. Like there's no talking in between, just instant. Don't talk to me like that. Or, and just right away get physical. Like it's, there's no in between. Did you confide in anyone else in your family about your brother's behavior? Uh, they all seen it happen. It was all in front of them. So there was nothing to confide, right? He basically ruled the house with an iron fist, basically. So everybody was scared of him. My sisters, my dad, everybody, my mom. If my family can't help me, I didn't think, I didn't know who could. How did this impact your relationships with other people? Sort of when I would get upset with my friends or, or angry, I would show that same aggression. And I'll, I found myself using the same words and terms and aggressive actions that he would use. Like I'd be telling people or my friends like, hey, I'll, I'll break your nose or I'll break your jaw and using these exact same words to, to threaten them and things like that, which I lost a lot of friends that way as well when I was younger. Just, just me going outside, I have to be, you know, hyper vigilant because growing up in that, in that neighborhood, you have to be aware of, I would, like, I would say, you know, there's people out there, there's predators out there who are trying to get something or they're trying to steal from you. They're, they're just people, there's literally people out there who just, you know, they want to take advantage of you in some way. So you always have your head on the swivel. Plus I had to have my head on the swivel for him as well, because, uh, there are also a few incidents where he would, uh, have his, he would say his friend saw me somewhere. He'll ask me where I am. And I'll, I'll sometimes I'll lie. I'll be like, uh, I'm at, you know, the park. And he'd be like, no, my, my people said you're at the mall right now. Why are you there? Things like that. Like, so it was just, I was always paranoid, always hyper vigilant about who's around me and who's watching me and who knows me and things like that. How old were you when he started stealing things from you? Um, that was another thing that he's just been doing forever. When I started to confront him about it, uh, that's probably when I was maybe over 16. So I would come home to uh, my room. Nobody really goes in my room, but when he does it, anybody in my house could steal. But when he does it, he doesn't care if he, if you see it, if you know that he did it. You would leave your door open. You will leave everything lying everywhere. He doesn't care. So I'll notice I'll have a little bit of money saved up or I'll have like, you know, a new shirt or something I just bought and it'll just be missing. So I know it was him. So I'll go and I'll, I'll confront him. Like, you know, where's my, my stuff? And then he'll just pull out like huge, like stacks of money, like literally like this high and all these jewelry and everything like that. And just say, if I have all of this, why would I take from you? 
type of thing. But I, I, I know he, he would take it because I guess I don't know if he'll feel bad or something after, but I'll come back home and then see like, you know, a twenty dollar bill on my dresser or something like that from him. And another thing he would also do a lot is that he'll give me like his his hand me down clothing because um, I didn't really have clothes uh, at the time. Uh, my parents didn't really buy me any clothing, so I can just wear the same clothes to school and things like that. So he would give me, but when I say hand me down, I don't mean like old clothes. I mean like he's remember he has a lot of money, right? So he would give me like limited edition Nike shoes or Prada jackets or Gucci hats and things like that, and. I'll be going to school and I'll be like super popular and things like that. Like I have all these clothes and whatever, whatever. But the next day, depending on his mood, it, it could be gone and it could be right back to my old clothes. And then, you know, he'll come back a few days later and then give it back and then come back a few days later and take it again. And then it's just like, it's kind of like a, a pattern that he does. If he's okay with you, he'll give you things. And if he's not okay with you, he'll take it back. And then I kind of started learning after a while not to take anything from him at all and just have my own things. And uh, he doesn't really like that either. Like he's used to everybody saying yes to him. But when people start saying no is when you're on his radar even more now. What are some of the other things that your brother was doing to you around this time? When I was younger, I, I stole his uh, his Marvel cards and I brought them to school. I was about 10 years old and I was just showing my friends like, hey, I got these cool Marvel cards. When I came home, he found that I had taken them before I could put them back. And he he started to assault me then. My dad was trying to defend me. And my brother actually beat him up, basically. And that was actually the last time my dad ever stepped in for me. Any time after that, my, I would even see my dad ever again in those situations. The same type of situation happened with my mom. I wasn't home for that one, but I heard. And then after that, she kind of the same thing. She kind of stopped speaking up. And um, she kind of actually like joined him. Like She kind of like, say I would get in trouble at school. I started getting in trouble at school. They would both be you know, on me, screaming at me, yelling at me. They would keep me home from school for for weeks, where to the point where teachers are calling and asking like, "Where am I? Like, what's going on?" Another situation. Um, this situation actually happened when I moved to the suburbs. So I was sixteen. I made some new friends. My friends came to come get me at my house, and um, we were going to go get some pizza. So we were walking down the street. All of a sudden, my brother comes up saying he screams my name at the top of his lungs and tells me if I don't walk back here right now, he's going to break my nose in front of my friends. Like I, I, I was so shocked. I was like, what the heck is going on right now? And also the neighborhood was full. Like there was, you know, people playing outside. There was families, dads, moms outside. So like he had no worries about being saying anything or doing anything in public. He had his fists balled up and he was like taking steps towards me. So I, I didn't even know what to do. I was like, what the hell is going on? My friends are like, what the hell? So. I kind of walked back and I'm like, what, what What are you doing? Why are you embarrassed in front of your friends, in front of my friends? And he's like, those people, they're not your friends. I'm your friend. And he's like, if anything happens to you, if anybody, you know, attacks you or anything like that, it's me that will come and help you. Nobody else will help you. So he's like, when you go outside, I want you to tell me who you're going outside with. And I want you to know, I want to know where you are. He's basically telling me to, I need to ask his permission before I go anywhere. And then he's just telling me that like, just remember that, like, you know, I'm your only friend. And I think that was pretty uh, manipulative there. But again, at the same time, that's just my life. I don't know. I don't know anything else. No one's ever told me otherwise. What kind of impact did that have on you? Like when you would go to school and you would come home, did you basically fear coming home knowing that you'd face him? I did, especially uh, as I started getting older. 
when I was younger, he wasn't really physically abusive as much. But as I started getting older, it was getting worse, especially especially when uh, he came out of jail. It, it, it was he was getting pretty bad at that point. I really dreaded going home because nobody was home at that time. My dad would even be home. He's not working, but he just wasn't home. I don't know where he would go. Obviously, my oldest sister moved out, and then my other sister, I don't know where she was, and my mom was at work, right? So he would always be home when I get home from school. So it was uh, always something to look forward to when I get home to see like what's you know waiting for me when I get inside. And I didn't have a whole lot of friends or anybody else to go to, right? So the only place I would go is home or just stay outside by myself, right? So I just went home and just just took whatever came my way every day. You mentioned your brother was in jail. Was he in trouble with law enforcement a lot? Was it something that he was gone once in a while because of jail? Yes. Um, throughout my whole life, he was getting arrested in and out of jail for uh, gang-related charges, uh, which is, pretty again, pretty normal in my neighborhood. Um, everyone is in some sort of gang. Everybody's selling drugs. Everybody has a gun and things like that. So he went to jail for uh, drug trafficking and having a gun. A funny story about that. I I used to work uh, near my home and uh, he would pick me up from work and bring me home. And on his way home, he would stop and sell drugs with me in the car. It was actually, he did that to me a a few times. And then one time he was supposed to pick me up from work and he didn't come. So I just took the bus home. And then I found out that my house was raided by uh, the police. And then uh, that was the, the last time he went to jail that I know of. And they actually caught him selling drugs at that place he, he brought me to. So if he actually did end up picking me up and bringing me that day, I probably would have been caught up in that as well. So um, that's what he went to jail for. And he did uh, that last time he did about three to four years. And that was actually the second time in my life that I thought that I was like saved. I'll get to the first time in a second. But the, the, that was the second time I thought I was like saved where, you know, I'm like, everything will be okay now. He's gone. But he had... I guess was able to have ample access to the phone there. He was bullying everyone for money. My mom, his friends, um, he had people coming to our house, dropping off money for him to go eat. So he could use the phone and things like that. And the bullying and the threats and everything continued towards me just through the phone. So I actually wasn't saved, but it was better. I wasn't getting physically abused anymore. So that was the second time. The first time was uh, I was, this was all in the same year, actually. Earlier in the year when I was 16, um, he actually ended up getting shot two times. My dad came and told me that he was shot. And a regular reaction would be, I guess, uh, that, you know, oh my God, you know, my brother shot. But I was actually happy. Like, oh, like really? Is, is, he, is he alive? And then my dad said yes. And then for that one second, my heart just dropped. Like, huh, like here, here we go again, kind of thing. So that was actually the first time when I thought it was saved. So, yeah. Do you think that he was grooming you to become more like him through the cycle of abuse? I wouldn't say more like him. I would say he was grooming me to be complacent, if that's the word. He he was grooming me to be like a servant. He was grooming me to accept everything that he was dishing out to me and not tell anyone and not do anything about it. At any point, did anyone else try to step in? Any authority figures, any teachers, friends? friends, parents? When I was uh, maybe 17, I had a teacher. Um, I'll go to class and I was just, I didn't really have any friends in this specific class, but uh, I'll just be in the class quiet and just minding my business. And maybe that stood up to the teacher. Uh, she would always ask me what's wrong and things like that. But 
at the same time, I couldn't really tell her what's wrong because I didn't know anything was wrong with me. So every, like, again, my, I thought my life was normal. Like this thing just happened. So I had nothing to tell her anyways, but, uh, she sent me to, uh, the guidance office to speak to, I guess, someone that deals with troubled kids. And, uh, he was just asking me questions like, Hey, what do you do at home and things like that? And I was telling him the truth, but obviously left out all the abuse part, but, uh, I was telling him the truth. Like I just do this, this, and this. And he was like, okay. And that was the end of that. And then after that, the teacher, um, I guess she thought that I was just acting like that for no reason. And then she started to actually get a little bit more aggressive with me to kind of straighten up and things like that. It's just now that I look back on that situation, uh, I wish I had the, the wording and the, and the thought to be able to express uh, what was happening. But uh, I guess to her, I, just, I was just probably just a bad student. And why did you feel that you could never go to the authorities with what was happening? Growing up in my neighborhood, you're, you're taught by everyone to just never tell, never snitch, don't talk to the police. Because every time you go outside, like you see, you know, crime scenes, you see the police chasing someone, the police, you know, they come to my house and, you know, they, they raided my house and things like that. So obviously every interaction I've had with the police has been, has been negative at that time. Right. So I've just been taught to never trust them. Don't talk to police. Just don't say anything to them. So that wasn't an option. Uh, my brother will always tell me that if I ever want any help against him, that I would have to, the only way is to go to the police or to kill him is what he would say. Cause he's like, my parents don't care about me. Nobody would help me. So it's either the police or killing him is the only options. And he first told me that when I was pretty young, I was probably maybe, I don't even think I was in high school yet, but he has said that many times throughout my life. But the first time I remember I was even in high school yet. You know, that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere. Online, in-store, on social media, and beyond. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash true crime. Did you see some of the other associates that he had or some of his other friends, like how he dealt with them when there was any sort of conflict, business or otherwise? Only over the phone when he was in jail and they, they wouldn't give him money. Um, he'll talk about all the things he did for for his gang and things like that and how they're not uh, paying him back, I guess, or, or helping him in his situation. So I, I seen how he talked to them. But when in person, uh, when I seen him converse with his friends, it, it, it was even him. He was so he was a completely different person. Like he, when it, like from when I see him talking to people in public, like say for example, he's at the store where he's talking to a girl or something. He's a completely different person. He, I'm like, who is this guy standing beside me right now? Because he's so like kind and he's able to speak properly and things like that. But as soon as like everyone goes away and it's just us, it's like this different monster comes out. So that's what I was dealing with. When you were 25, you met a woman that ultimately was going to change your life. Can you tell us about meeting her and who she is? Yeah. So uh, I met my girlfriend when I was 25. Uh, we met at the gym that I was doing a martial arts at. And uh, we actually went to high school together. But I, didn't, I didn't know her in high school. So uh, that's how it kicked off. I would see her. We seen each other around high school, but we just never spoke to each other. So that was when I, we actually started talking to each other when we were 25. At 25, I also was also the age I moved out. So uh, she would come to my house and things like that. And she would talk about her family 
just a regular like funny family memory and then i would also talk about a funny family memory but my memory was actually very tragic but to me it was funny but to her she was like did that did that really happen and i said yeah that, that happened and she's like that's really bad that's really messed up and uh that's when i started to learn that uh after a while after me just telling these stories i started to learn that you know my memories aren't actually happy they're actually happy in tragedy if that makes sense so that's, i just started to learn after a while she started to tell me that and i i, I was actually just like i'll just text her like hey this happened to me when i was you know younger like what do you think of that and then she would tell me that yeah that's actually uh pretty messed up i can't believe you went through that and and things like that so it was kind of an eye opener and, and i was in shock after in a while after a while as well because i couldn't believe that i lived that way for so long like uh i couldn't believe that i could have left if i could if i wanted to or or things like that i just felt i felt trapped for that, those many years and to hear that after you know it took 25 years i was way past an adult uh, i was even smart enough to know what was happening to me so it was just like shocking that i lived through that Stephen, can you tell us about the day that you decided to leave your house? What what was that like? It was actually pretty pretty regular. Um, um, I found a a real estate agent on my own. Um, I saved up a lot of money from my my internship and working, and uh, I was actually able to afford like a small uh, condo in a, in, a, in one city over. I kind of just packed up all my stuff and just left. I didn't really, I didn't talk to anyone. I just packed up all my stuff and, and left. Nobody was even home anyways to, for me to say anything to, but I just packed up all my stuff uh, by myself, left. I, I moved everything in by myself, bought all my furniture by myself. I just, just picked up all my stuff and just left. And then, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much how it went. Did they know that you were about to leave the house? My mom and dad did, and they were, I guess, supportive of it. They were just like, hey, come back and visit me, blah, 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 once in a while. My brother didn't know until about a week later, he started calling me, constantly calling me. I answered and he just said, hey, like, uh, where do you live? I want to come drop off furniture and blah, 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 stuff like that. But uh, just growing up with him, I don't want him to know anything about me. Um, I said, don't worry, I'm fine. I don't need anything. And uh, I was very cordial with him at first. Then he uh, continued over the weeks, just constantly, just doing the same thing as if I was at home, just constantly messaging me, calling me threats everything and then i just say you know what like i'm like yeah i'm not i'm I'm gonna block your number i texted this to him like i'm just gonna block your number and uh i won't hear from you again and that's when he started calling me and texting me from different phone numbers just threats i'm gonna you know crush your nose i'm gonna break your jaw and have to get it wired shut i'm gonna show up at your job and do all of these things and i'm just i'm just like what is what is wrong with this guy he says like i don't like i'm sure to like like it's just I, I don't really explain it. I told my mom, I actually called her right after. I'm like, could you like talk to your son? This, this guy's text, sending me text messages. I'm screenshotting them and sending it to her. I'm like this, she's later on in life. I realized that, you know, she's the wrong person to send anything to, but, uh, she just said, you know, what do you want me to do about it? And she's like, he's just joking. Like, why, why do you take it so seriously? And I'm like, how, how is that joking? And she's like, well, I don't, I don't know what you want me to do. I'll talk to him and then stuff like that. And stuff that she usually says when I used to go to her, like her, her, her reasoning is exactly the same. It never changed throughout life. He's just joking. He's your older brother. That's what brother is supposed to do. He's not actually going to do anything and things like that. So uh, that's, that's how that went. Once you moved out and cut off contact with your brother, was he 
still trying to reach you through your friends or through other people that you guys knew together? So the thing about uh, my brother is that I never, he doesn't know anybody I know and he doesn't know anywhere I go. So I learned that over the years not to share that information with him just because of experiences I had with him when I was younger because he would show up at those places or go to those people and things like that. So when it comes to friends and showing up places that uh, we both know that never happened, he tried to reach out to me through uh, my sisters. And what they would say is, you know, hey, one of them would say, hey, uh, he's inviting you to a barbecue. Do you want to come and things like that? It's like they completely don't know. It's like they're completely sleeping under the rug, everything that happened. So I would just ignore them. I wouldn't respond to them. Or they'll say, hey, he's trying to call you or he's trying to, you know, meet up with you. Is it okay if he apologizes? And because there's things like that. Because this is, it's, I never heard anything from him. It's all through people. So I just completely shut all of it down. After he stopped texting you and calling you, did you feel that you were going to see him, that you were going to hear from him again? Yes, because just because I've lived that way for so long and that he always pops up, I thought I would. So my head would be on a swivel just everywhere I went. I would pay attention to everybody and everything just to see if there's any type of threat that would come my way that I need to, you know, be mentally and physically prepared for type of thing, right? That situation, it, it never happened, but that feeling that feeling doesn't go away. It's like who I am now. I just, I just automatically do it without even thinking. I could walk into a room and I would assess everybody there in like a second without even you know thinking anything of it. I could go somewhere with my girlfriend. I'll be like, oh, watch out that guy over there on the wall or something like that. Or, oh, like there's so many exits here. Like I'll, I'll, I'll just, just automatically like just assess the whole area in seconds. Once your brother stopped stalking you and you had moved out, what did you realize about your mom? His tendencies sort of shifted to her, where she was the one now texting me and calling me constantly. She wasn't threatening me or anything, but she was like just texting me and calling me constantly, just as much as what he would do. And um, if I don't answer the phone, then she would start calling me when I'm at work and things like that and doing all these things. And um, this actually happened this past uh, November is when she called me one night and um I was in the backyard with my dog, so I didn't answer the phone. When I came back inside, I didn't feel like talking, so I didn't answer. I, I didn't call her back. And then um, the next day, she called me at work, and I kind of just blew up at her. And I'm just like, hey, like, stop calling me so often. And she's like, well, you didn't answer my calls last night. So I, I'm thinking something happened to you. So how would something happen to me? Like, it's to the point where you're, you know, calling me so often and so regularly like, because you think something happened to me because I didn't answer one time. And that kind of event sort of been happening for, I started realizing sort of been happening for a very long time where if my mom calls me and I don't answer, then I all of a sudden start getting text messages and calls from, you know, both my sisters and her all at the same time saying, Hey, are you okay? What's going on? And like, I missed one phone call, relax. So it's just, it's just very, very weird and odd. But uh, back to my mom, I ended up, uh, cutting her off because she sent me a text message. I wish I saved it. I deleted it. But uh, she said she's very sorry for anything she's ever done and that she must be a, I must think she's a bad mother. Basically she said that she's going to leave me alone and she's like that she'll be dead soon. And then I won't have to worry about anything anymore. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. So I ended up just cutting her off there and uh, I haven't spoken to her for, what was it four or five months now? 
and I plan on keeping it that way. How did your girlfriend deal with all of this? What were her thoughts on this? So she met my mom once, but she hasn't really met anyone else in my family. So I, I kept it separate. So she doesn't really, she knows pretty much everything, but uh, she hasn't, you know, seen it firsthand type of thing. It's just awkward because uh, she, her family is very family oriented. Uh, they're very close. So when I'm around her family, you know, they ask questions that a regular family would ask, you know, how's, you know, your family, Stephen, how's, uh, how's your, your mom, how's your dad? And then like, I don't know what to say because it's, it's very, everything I have to say is negative. I don't have anything, you know, positive to say. And so I just ended up like, you know, just avoiding the question or, or things like that. And your girlfriend kind of opened your eyes up to everything that was going on. Was she supportive of the no contact with your brother and your mom? Yeah, very supportive. Um, one thing about her is that she's never experienced anything like that firsthand. She didn't know. She didn't know families like mine exist, and I didn't know families like her ex- hers exist. So she was very she was very supportive in that regard, and very supportive as in inviting me into her family. And you know, the first time since I was a, a very young kid, I, I sat down for dinner at her house and uh, I was very nervous. I was like sweating everything. I never, I've never like done that in, since I was like a very, very young kid. So just sitting at someone else's dinner table who's not my own family was very like nerve wracking and just doing like events and just doing things that they do. Once your girlfriend was able to intervene and you started to like, you know, basically pour out everything that had happened, were you in a position where it kind of reset some things the some of the trauma that you had been dealing with all this time yeah one, one thing about me is uh when i was younger to to be able to survive what i was surviving i kind of had to i literally like I, the best way i can explain is i had to turn off my emotions i told myself i'm not going to cry anymore i'm not going to be angry anymore i'm not going to be happy anymore i'm not going to do any of that stuff so the way i deal with it and and the way i dealt with everything then is i kept everything inside i never let anything out so I have the same face when I'm mad, I have the same face when I'm sad, I have the same face when I'm happy. So when it comes to resetting any any trauma I had in my mind, it was just it was just like I'm telling another story. It's like, is it still trauma if I've been living it my entire life and thinking that it's normal? It's not like I had a normal, regular family and then it turned into this. It was this way the whole time. What are some of the steps that you had to take in order to protect yourself moving forward? you know, became sort of diligent about doing so you may not have to face them or anyone like that again. Aside from talking to my girlfriend a lot, I started joining uh, certain Reddit groups where people are dealing with or who have dealt with the same issues. I've never posted on there, but I just read posts where people have similar issues that I had and how they dealt with it. I'm like, okay, I need to, now I know that I cannot ever break no contact, for example. Or now I know that, you know, when I get married, I can't even invite my sisters that I'm, you know, kind of okay with. I can't even bring them along because, you know, they still associate with the people I'm no contact with. And who knows what, what might happen at, at that time. I'm kind of have to learn, I have to learn to, to, I guess, kind of show emotions again, which I'm, I'm getting better at and, uh, learning to show affection and, and things like that. There's things that I was, I don't know anything about just learning to to normalize being normal. Are you still being stalked by anyone in your family that you know of? Since I cut my mom off, my sisters are now the ones constantly contacting me 
over and over again. This actually happened last night when one of my sisters contacted me. So I asked her, why are you contacting me so often? And I'm like, is it mom? Is mom the one that's telling you to do this? And she will say, no, she doesn't see her anymore and, and things like that. But she hasn't, she says she hasn't seen her in over a year, which I know isn't true because, uh, my mom babysits for her. So is this like, uh, is, is I, I have to go even lower contact with her, I guess. Cause I, I thought that, you know, she actually just wants to know how I'm doing, but now I know that she wants to know how I'm doing for the benefit of someone else. So I don't, I don't understand what this fixation on me is, but, uh, it's there and it's, uh, it's quite annoying. <laughs> And what made you decide that you wanted to come forward and talk about your story? I've been following Strictly Stalking for a long time. So I kind of wanted to just tell my story, like how everybody else came forward and telling tell their story. I think what I need to do is talk about it. I might not be ready to talk about it, you know, face to face with like a therapist or someone else other than my girlfriend. But uh, I feel like this is a good first step. Like, you know, it's on a podcast and no one's going to see me, but it could reach a lot of ears. And I don't know if, if anybody is is going through the same situation that listens to Strictly Stalking can kind of, you know, understand and get out of it sooner than I did, you know, stay in it for 25 years. <laughs> what advice do you have for anyone who is living in a world of abuse? What advice would you have for them to reach out in the best or safest possible way? There kind of is no 100% safe way. You kind of just have to take the risk and just jump and, and reach out to a teacher or, you know, talk to the police or, or someone can help you. Because uh, if you're just scared, like how I was, just scared of they're not going to help me and I'm just going to have to go back home to that, you might not ever get out of it. So you have to take that risk and get it on paper or something, have a record of, of whatever is, is going on and be able to um, show it to, someone who can help you. You just got to take that first step, which is the hardest thing to do, to take that first step out and, and, and let someone know. What would you like to see happen to your brother or your mom? I would say either die or do at least life in prison or have some sort of torturous experience because would want them to go through the exact same thing that they put me through. Because I feel like even now, they don't realize what they are doing. If, if my mom is, if my mom is now transferring her stalking tendencies to my sister, to sisters to continue what she's doing, she's still in the same mindset that she was in, you know, all those years. So she doesn't know what she went to, so what she needs to, I feel like they need to sort of go through the same thing and so they can understand, but I don't want to have anything to do with them at all. What are some of the things that you would change or what are some of the things that you would apply as sort of the principles of building your own family? Well, for one, telling them that, showing them the affection that they need. Um, one thing I was never shown is the importance of, of education. I kind of learned that on my own very late. It still worked out for me, but instilled that into my children at a very early age so they could set them up for success in life. I'll watch my children in a way where to make sure that you know they feel safe around each other when the parents aren't around or or things like that or watch for abuse between them and things like that just basically i guess follow my girlfriend's lead <laughs> what is your life like now it's good um so far so good i moved again even further 
not for that reason, but you know, housing nowadays. I'm getting married next year, and uh, I'm just continuing to to heal and find out uh, who I can be because uh, everything I am is 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 shaped by how I grew up. So I would like to know who I could have been if I grew up normally. So um, I'm kind of just doing everything I wanted to do back then. Now, so that's pretty much what I'm doing. We thank you tremendously for coming forward, Stephen. I appreciate it. I'm glad to uh, be on uh, your podcast and speak to your listeners. Thank you so much, Stephen. If anyone out there is in need of help or is a victim of stalking, please reach out. You can find a list of resources on our Instagram at Strictly Stalking Pod. If you'd like to share your story with us on Strictly Stalking, you can reach us at strictlystalkingpod at gmail.com. That's strictlystalkingpod at gmail.com. As a listener of Strictly Stalking, please leave us a review and rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, CastBox, or wherever you listen. I'm Jake Deptula. And I'm Jamie Beebe. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Strictly Stalking. <laughs>